The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Due to the ongoing pandemic and to follow social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was pre-recorded over Skype. Hello and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting tonight, joined by John Roberts, uh, uh, serving as our engineer and keeping us all in line. Hi, I'm I'm less mad than last week. Hi. How's it going? Hi. <laughs> and Sue Timberlake here, our resident conservative and skeptic. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a week. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, another crappy week and a whole series of crappy weeks by uh, several different measures. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But before we do, I would just like to stress that we really do like to hear from our listeners. Uh, We love uh, your input and good ideas and even your complaints and corrections. uh, Because, you know, it's more fun when we get it right. Um, so you can email us at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Uh, on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And on Twitter, at civilpoliticsfm. We do also have our own website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com. And that's got links to previous episodes of the show, supplemental episodes, and some other good stuff as well. So absolutely worth your time to check it out. And, uh, yeah, this week is seeing, uh, well, to start with the ongoing uh, global health crisis, we're uh, up to, uh, let's see here, according to Google, 4.54 million cases of coronavirus confirmed uh, overall. Uh, Is that global or is that the U.S.? That's the United States. Wait, really? Oh, boy. Four and a half million, yes. And if you if you remember uh, last week, we were just about over four, like, and we were remarking how it had been only two weeks since we were at three million. Yeah, like sixty three thousand two hundred fifty five. They report yesterday, and we're at one hundred and fifty four thousand uh, people have died, and we lost uh, fourteen hundred forty nine people yesterday. Across Jesus the country. Christ. Yeah. In Massachusetts, we're at 117,000 cases overall, 502 yesterday, and 29 people died of coronavirus yesterday here in Massachusetts. So, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Well, and And, are things ticking up a little bit? Is that the, I mean, is that the gist of it, that things are ticking back up? Things are ticking back up, and... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, John, uh, that, that site we've been looking at. Uh, yeah, that's called covidactnow.org. It has a lot of information that is broken down by state. Uh, so it has a, it, it's, really, it's really interesting and sobering. Um, they have five levels, active or imminent outbreak, at risk, slow disease growth, and on track to contain COVID. There is one state in the union that is at the lowest level. That is Vermont. That is it. That is that Didn't is Didn't you tell us last last week it was New Jersey and Vermont, so New Jersey fell off the wagon? 
I don't know about New Jersey, but definitely Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. New Jersey is like slow it. disease growth, and we are actually yeah. at risk. Yeah. We're at the at risk oh, that's level. Different. So Mass moved up a little bit too. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it oh did. boy. There, there, there's two things uh, to to note here. One, COVID Act now has added a new indicator, which they've helpfully labeled new indicator. So they're using five different indicators now, uh, daily new cases. And they say Massachusetts uh, has sort of a 14-day average of 4.5 new cases per 100,000 people living in the state, which is uh, higher, than the, higher than, the, than the acceptable level, but below the, oh, my God, you have a crisis level. Like, they, like things start to become uh, a crisis in, the, in and of themselves by that indicator at 10 per 100,000. We're at four and a half, but ultimately we want to get back down to one per hundred thousand. Yeah, and the like, other, for example, uh, Georgia is thirty-two point five for daily new cases per one hundred thousand. <gasps> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing that's new here in Massachusetts, and I don't know uh, what's changed exactly, but uh, one of the other indicators they use is contact tracing. They look at. Uh, are we tracing every new case to see who got it and who was exposed and so forth within 48 hours of the positive test? And uh, up until the 23rd of July, we had 100% contact tracing, which is perfect, uh, obviously. But now, I don't know, I think what's changed is uh, they have estimated, they've reported fewer actual people doing the contact tracing job here in Massachusetts. So we have a report, we have 900 people doing that. And with 307 daily new cases, we would need 1,535 people tracing cases. So they're estimating that uh, we're only at like uh, 59% uh, getting the tracing all the cases. And that's uh, like that just number dropped precipitously. We went from like everything was fine on the 23rd to suddenly 60% on the 24th. So I'm guessing that's some you know, kind of updated numbers about people doing the, the work as opposed to suddenly we had so many more cases. But well, well, there's three things that could do that. One is people are going on vacation and coming back with um, COVID. Uh, people who are doing the contact tracing actually take time off, so the numbers drop. And the third one, which I didn't think of before, is that if the number of cases went up, it takes a while to hire the people to keep up with it. So if the cases went up, precipitously all of a sudden that number's out of whack right because you don't have enough tracers for the cases that you just landed in the last week so i bet all those three things are working together so that's true that's not good 100 percent to 60 yeah yeah because that really the cat's out of the bag yeah they say well and uh uh the way they they estimate it is um that we need to be tracing at least 90% of cases within 48 hours in order to be able to reliably contain infections. So yeah. we are, we are far below where we need to be. And that, that is, well, you know, yeah, that's a big change. <laughs> yeah. Well, mass, mass, Governor Baker just changed the law again, um, just for tomorrow, actually, uh, for August 1st, which is Saturday, Saturday. Um, yeah, and the, the the way they changed it is they eliminated, not eliminated, but they modified the loophole for healthcare workers. 
uh, and I know about this because they sent uh, notice to us at work. I work over at Cooley, uh, and they're a member of the Mass. What do you General mean Party. loophole for healthcare workers? Could you explain, please? Yeah. So when the when the when this all started, you know, New York, all these all these states were short on doctors and nurses, and they were help getting help from other states. And so when they put in the you must quarantine yourself for two weeks after you travel somewhere, and or get a test, they exempted healthcare workers. Because if every healthcare worker that went on vacation when this first started came back and then had to be out of work for two more weeks, so they took a week's vacation and then they had to be out of work for two weeks, it would make the shortage worse. So they gave them an exemption, assuming that healthcare workers would pay attention to symptoms and would, you know, self-quarantine and would be careful when they traveled. And, you know, that's that's an okay assumption, but it's not it's not a good assumption. Um so that exemption existed until this coming Saturday, August 1st, when the, the rules change. And for at least the folks in the partners arena, what that means for us, and I'm not a healthcare worker, but I, I work at a hospital, so I got the notices. But so if I went on vacation and I had been a healthcare worker, I, when I come back, either have to have a test within 72 hours, and it has to be negative for me to go back to work, or I have to go to employee health and they'll take a test and I'm out of work till the results come back, or I simply quarantine myself for two weeks. And that's a huge change. And that Governor Baker just put it into effect. We're encouraged not to travel, not to go to anywhere on vacation. That's a hot spot. And, and, you know, like I said, the notice just came out from on high. And I think some of what precipitated, I don't know if you guys heard what happened at Bay State, um, hospital here in Western Mass, but somebody uh, came back from vacation, and um, I forget the number. It was 28, but I think um, was did uh, thirty six. Thirty six people have been infected, uh, and there are um, thirteen patients and twenty three employees. Yeah, uh, and cool. one thing that they uh, realized was the, um, some employees were not socially distancing. Uh, or wearing masks in the break in the break rooms. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we're we're very good about that where I work. Good job, but, guys. You know, there's always a um. You know, it's just it's so hard to wear a mask all day. It's really hard. I get well, it. Especially, okay, I, previous... I'd like to revise my pre- previous statement. I am now angry again. Well, also, yeah. oh. it, it, it's, it's hard to wear a mask all day, spe- specifically if you do this crazy thing where you, you know, have lunch at work. Oh, but you have to. I don't know how well, to there's eat. rules for that. Well, I'm, there, there must be, but it's still like it yeah. is, you know, it's like I got to put food in my body and that requires access yeah. to my mouth hole. So, you know, well, that's. Uh, well, you, yeah. you know what healthcare workers are being required to do. So let's say I you, don't, I, actually. and John. John wanted to go to lunch and we all work together. Yes. So we'd take turn we'd take turns in the break room and keep not only six feet, but try not to be in the break room at the same time. There are and other places you can eat too. Yep. We send people outside. Um, there's a conference, you know, but that's that's how it's actually being implemented, is that people cannot eat in the break room at the same time. It's wicked. It, it's wicked. I mean, it's just, you know, you go to take your lunch and if you're a healthcare worker and, you know, you get 30 minutes and 
you only get it right now because you're trying to cover shifts and patients and all that. I don't know how the nurses do it, but they do uh, it. That's what we're all doing. So it's, it's not like it's a t- plus plus it's not like working at Target. You yeah. know, like it, like you you have to yep. like it's it's a hospital so they yeah. should be figuring out how employees can take their break their legal and required breaks yeah, in a safe environment doing. they need to Trying like to that's not, like i understand that people need to eat and that's and that's completely understandable but they should really they they need to socially distance while they're doing that and not yep. speak to anybody while they're doing that. If they need to speak to someone, then they put on a mask. Yeah, which is which exactly what is, people is are logical. To do. But it is also hard because one of the yeah. one of the things that you know, one, a common human social behavior is to sit and share share a meal to eat together. Too bad. And I know it's too bad, but it it definitely I imagine only makes the, the, the wear and tear of, of such a difficult job even harder. So that's too bad. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I really, I literally yeah. do not care about that. They, if you're working in a hospital, then you need to, you need to take every precaution because they infected 13 patients. Yeah. And 23 uh, and, of their colleagues. And yeah. 23 of their colleagues got infected, but patients like they, like I, like I understand about human contact and about everything, and but we all are uh, need to avoid that because we don't want more people dying. So if anybody says, "Oh, but you know we have to eat," okay, figure out how you're going to eat safely. But we always eat yeah. together. I don't care. You're not doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't do it anymore. It's it's I like I said, no, and they're I working the no dagger schedules. And, you know, it's just even we even got a note today that said, um, if you're going to visit with your family, Zoom, they're telling us at home that we need to Zoom with our own family. And I totally get it because people, you know, we were we thought we were going in the right direction in Massachusetts. And I have to thank Bay State because they put that out immediately when they figured out what happened. You know, they didn't hide it. They could have tried to hide it and they did not. And it's terrorized patients, but it's important that everybody else be terrorized too, that they need to, that people need to behave. Yeah. Um, One of the most important ways of dealing with crises is to, is to share information uh, widely and accurately. And, and one of the worst things that happens is, is when people like, "Mm, that's embarrassing or whatever, you know, like if they, you keep things to yourself, that's how, how problems compound. So that's right. Yep. So uh, kudos to Bay State Health for getting right yeah. on top of this. That's the smart yeah. way to do it. Unfortunately, that Baker isn't, uh, isn't uh, stopping the opening though. I, well, I think that's going to be they're... coming soon. I really do. Yeah. He's still, well, did... yeah. Did you guys hear about the pending? There's sort of like a pending push for a nationwide teacher strike. There's a there's a sort of an initiative. Um, somebody called me and told me about it. I I saw a headline. I didn't actually get to read the article yet, but today it came, sort of came out that the you know the national teachers union folks are pushing for people to go on strike. And I don't know the parameters of it, but it sounds like it's to to make sure that people realize that it's not safe. To do so that right uh, the union leader, um, uh, Randy Weingarten, 
Um, yeah, she's the national um, she's the national chairman, chair. I think. Teachers in states like Florida, Arizona, and Texas are the most likely to strike. Uh, but they are, but she was saying you can't, you can't say at the end, okay, I give up. You have to actually be true to your convictions. And if that means a safety strike as, as a last resort, that's what it means. If you believe that the safety and health of people are really sacrosanct, then you've got to be able to say, to sacrifice for it. So, uh, so if leaders refuse to, to resort to remote instructions in areas with high levels of community spread or positive tests, you're going to see a safety strike there. Yeah. It's serious. Yep. Well, you know, sometimes it takes somebody stopping the show so that people pay attention to the Mm -hmm. important things. And like I said, I think, I think we all got, even in Massachusetts, you know, the other week when we were saying, well, Massachusetts is doing pretty good. And I'm thinking, well, maybe that means I can, you know, fill in the blank. And you just can't think like that because this thing is, you know, it's quite the quite the contagious yeah. virus. So, and did you say Herman Cain died? I missed that one too. Herman Cain has to. Uh, we are recording on Thursday, the thirtieth of uh, July, uh, and uh, Herman Cain has passed away today from COVID. He got. He was tested positive after the uh, event in Tulsa. Uh, he was hospitalized, and uh, he he just passed away. You mean for yeah. the president's and rally? He, yes. Yeah, and he was near the president at some points, but they disavowed them having any contact. But he was mm-hmm. he was pretty close. And the congressman, um, Gomer, just got positive, right? And he's he won't wear a mask. He's sort of notorious for. Oh yeah. Now he's now he's saying that the mask gave him COVID. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> Who yeah, are these he's people? He's a he's a character. Out of that, that uh, Georgia, is it? Texas. Texas. He's Texas. a rep from Texas. Oh, he's out of Texas. Mm-hmm. I should know that. Uh, it's horrifying. <clears throat> and the uh the the problems caused simply by this, you know, in these infections and this death toll are compounded because we uh our our you know, economic activity, our our economy is absolutely cratering uh because yeah. people are staying home and don't want to get sick and and uh it's businesses are closed yeah businesses Mm -hmm. are closed or closing i mean as i as i've mentioned from time to time you know i'm part of a group of people trying to open a new restaurant in holyoke which you know wonderful timing on our part of course but um it's it's a bit discouraging to realize that a lot of you know well-established restaurants uh in the, uh, the local area you know places i i used to love to go and eat have closed you know, yep. they, they're not they're not weathering the storm. And th- even if things got better tomorrow, like they wouldn't be able to reopen. And uh, yeah, because yeah, so there's a package that Congress is fighting about, but they thought they were close. But I last I heard this is this is unraveling. Right. They haven't really the the um, the Dems put forth a three trillion dollar package two months ago. And my party just came out with a one trillion package and the, they're far far apart from what well, i understand and, and uh-huh. tons of people there are a number of, of people in the republican conference like rand paul for example and ted cruz who are just oh my god like one trillion dollars we can't do this this is way too much so you know and they're 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 balking at the at the frankly crappy package that mitch mcconnell's putting forward 
you know, which includes funds to uh, to build a new headquarters for the FBI, you know, which is what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Is I that mean, true? I got to read I, the bill. <laughs> I well, that's I've, I've read that in in a trusted news source, so I'm hoping it's true. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we've got to rethink all that. But um, well, you know, what's scary is it's believable. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and however worthy that that may be, it's certainly nothing to do with coronavirus, you know. And of course, it's also amazingly tone deaf while we have, you know, uh, federal police forces running amok uh, across the country. Yeah, spiriting people away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm wondering what's going to happen next because everybody, everything's ending like this week, right? This is the end of some of the programs and the unemployment. Um, or, or they already benefit. ended last week, uh, as I, as I mentioned last week. Uh, oh, that's the right. Unemployment the benefits. Ended. Yeah, that was because of the, it has to. They, it has to be a week ending, you know, for Saturday. So because uh, it was running through July, and because Saturday is is August first. You know, those people have already gotten their final payment on that old uh, unemployment insurance boost and whatnot. Uh, by so, the way, um, McConnell uh, said there's no no room for a new FBI building building in the in the fire aid bill. Um, so yeah, that, I, I don't think get it out of there. I think Trump wanted to put in a new building, but I think there there is infighting about that within the GOP and and on, on good in the Senate. finally. Good. So, Finally, my I, guys are I, showing yeah. some spine. Good. Well, well the idea was floated, but I'm glad it's being shot down. So that's good. Yeah. They originally, Trump wanted some sort of a, a tax rebate or something. And even the Republicans said that's just uh, not going to happen. Tax. He wanted a payroll yeah. tax yeah. cut. So cutting the payroll tax is a useful measure. Uh, you know, as someone who actually, you know, has a business that does the payroll tax, it, it does help us to to keep people uh employed when we it we have fewer you know overhead costs to doing that but it's still it's not the same as uh you know here's a, a you know it's the ppp plan where it's like here we're giving you money you can use to pay your employees and if you keep them on the books and don't fire them then you don't have to pay it back so uh, it's it's a handy adjunct but not actually useful yeah yeah. Well, and I think what they're trying to do is get to yes with both sides and trying to just do what's really necessary to help us not go off a cliff. Cause wasn't, wasn't it? We're already going off the cliff. <laughs> Would you say 32.9 fall in the G, GDP annualized, right? You said it was an yes. annualized number. So, but that's unheard of. I mean, somebody said the other day, this is like, the flu of 1918 plus the great depression. And they had one more, which I can't remember what it was, but it was like, you uh, know, the, the bonus riot. Maybe. We're getting close to MacArthur rolling tanks in on the veterans who are, you know, camped out homeless. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, because, you know, the, well, that was, that was the, called the, who, the bonus riots, but. Who, uh, I was going to say the Hoover camps or whatever. They yeah. Are. Hoovervilles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hoovervilles. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So we're going to yeah. have Trump Trumpervilles of the Baskins or something. I don't know. Something oh, like God. that. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, the, the overall economy second quarter of this year was 9.5% smaller than during the same period a year ago, according to NPR. But uh, the, the one reason why things could get so much worse is a lot of the protections against people being uh, evicted uh, from their rental properties are, oh, are expiring. Too. And, yeah. you know, saying you have to stay home because of the coronavirus and then saying, by the way, you don't have a home that I, you know, it's, it's somebody's pouring gasoline on the powder keg. Uh, and there was, there was uh, protections for extending those protections for uh, evictions in the Republican bill, but since either are passed. (sighs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be a gap here. Oh yeah, and and uh, any of these stimulus measures that uh, actually pass out of Congress and get signed into law by the president are going to take time to inter- uh, you know to enact as well to actually do. Yeah. So especially if they're complicated and the math is complicated, it'll be months. If right. they just do the same thing again, they just put. Um, we used to do it with payroll. You know, if we had trouble with the computer systems, we'd have a backup tape of last week's payroll. We just run it again. And then right. figure out who, you know, who had less and who should have used vacation. But, you know, they're not acting like that. They're acting like we can, we can think around with this. Right. It and, is not good for business. And, you know, also in terms of simplicity. Yeah, right. It's definitely not good for business because we can't plan and, and we're not getting the help we need. And if people, you know, like, as I said, I, I help and own a, re- open a restaurant and, you know, uh, the one thing restaurants absolutely need are people who want to go out and spend money to have other people make food for them. And, you know, that is one of the first expenses you one can and will cut if money's tight. And, uh, you know, that's, that's sensible for the, for the individual people, but it does mean that, you know, all the folks who are working in restaurants lose their jobs. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a cascading problem. And it could be addressed, I think, fairly simply through the, uh, the simple measure of just offering like flat payments to everybody, you know, making sure that everybody has money coming in. Gee. Would you say guaranteed something income? <laughs> yeah, something I mean, like you that. should. We everybody <laughs> should get some sort of payment. Like, I mean, everybody, like everybody across the board. I don't know really what a what words that would be. But just like a really simple, like uh, like a simple, like basic. You're just pulling that out of your Andrew Yang, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it must be near break time. <laughs> I it think definitely it is. is. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs. And uh, then we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a few minutes. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player, each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. 
Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. Science is real, from the Big Bang to DNA. Join me for Evidence-Based Radio, Friday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. to learn more about science and skepticism. You can email questions or topic requests to evidencebasedradio at gmail.com. That's Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow, and I'm still joined by Sue Timberlake and John Roberts. Hey. And we're still talking about uh, the uh, ongoing crisis of coronavirus and the damage it's doing to the country. And we sort of are pivoting to talk about the economic problems uh, it's causing. and and so Sue, we were, you know, we, we, the, uh, if the economy keeps shrinking like this over the next year, it'll, it'll shrink by about a third, which is a whole crap load of money. But you said it, it's, it's worse than just that number. Could you elaborate? Yeah. So, you know, when this started, you know, it was folks like me with preexisting conditions and I'm older, you know, and, and it's, it's really, horrible and sad and you know for the families that have lost people you know just you know heartbreaking but you know a lot of the folks that were sort of being lost to this in the beginning I'll call them non-productive I'm not using that as a pejorative term I'm just saying that there were retirees you know they were working uh, not very much they were nursing homes they were veterans and, you know, my Republican Party and I always, you know, have this sort of cruel and cold perspective on things. Those those are ah, humbug. And- Let them die and reduce <laughs> the surplus population. <laughs> there were- <laughs> More jobs for the able bodied. Right. But what I'm saying now is that this is this is really taking a cut of out of the economic engine that is America. 
And I think we're coming to a point where it's going to be really hard to recover from this. You know, the other the other losses were sad and, and heartbreaking, but this is starting to cut into our ability to, I think, will cut into the ability of us to feed ourselves, you know, to have production on the table. The housing market will be at risk because of the um, people that can't pay their bills. I mean, I'm I'm just pointing out that we've gone from sort of a terrible scenario to a scenario that really is critical and may affect our ability to function as a society. And we're going to need really sophisticated leaders to be able to get out of this in one piece or even in, you know, what did you say, um, 10, 10% shrinkage of the economy or something like that? Or did you say a third? I forget what it you was, said. At 9.5%. Uh, uh, comparing uh, second quarter of this year to second quarter of last year, if that uh, rate of decline sort of holds steady over the course of the next year, annualized, that would be uh, basically a, a, about a one-third drop, 32.9%. So, so yeah, 30, 30%, losing a which is third of the value of the United States economy is an enormous blow, uh, which, it, which yeah. will have to call it damaging effects around the world since we are the largest national economy. Um, so uh, I have a counterpoint to, yes. to uh, we actually won't, we won't lose the ability to feed ourselves. We still can grow things. We still can make things. It's just that people won't have the money to buy the things. So we'll, so we can just, you know, Remove that, <laughs> remove that barrier, and figure oh, out something payment. else. <laughs> yep. So, how to distribute the food? You know, keep the keep the farmers employed enough that they eat, but they yeah. also can work and harvest. But the logistics, the truck drivers. I mean, there was already a shortage of truck drivers. You know, and and a lot of truck drivers are people of a certain age, and you know, people don't want to drive trucks necessarily. Well, and I, I mean, I know what you're saying, but it's a logist. It's the logistics too. I guess you're saying, genre, you're hopeful that somebody will figure out how to still do it. There's what I'm saying is that we have the resources. The, our country has the resources to take care of its citizens. What we do is put a monetary block on those resources, so some people can have a lot of them, and some people don't get enough of them. Those, those resources that our country has and our country generates. What we can do, especially because people are getting kicked out, of, might get kicked out of their homes, people aren't working, what we can do is redistribute those resources <laughs> and, uh, and help and help. Socialist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that are like a capitalist, um, a capitalist ec economic model for our country does not work in a pandemic. Has to be put on pause. You're saying? Yeah, it has. It. I mean, there's no there. The way that we ge we normally generate wealth and the way that we normal normally generate uh, stuff is hampered because. We literally can't do those things. People can't work. If people can't work, then they aren't making money. 
because they're not they're not generating wealth for whatever business they work for if the business isn't getting wealth then that wealth can't be distributed in the in the form of payments to their employees because the employees no longer are a member of that organization that means the employees don't have money to spend on other things so if so if people aren't working if the economy is shrinking but we still have like raw resources. We still have food. We can, we have enough food to feed ourselves. Like we generate a ton of food. We throw so away we a stop, ton of food. Do we stop selling to the Chinese in the, in India? Maybe. I mean, are you saying sort of America first? <laughs> what I'm saying is we have, we, we can figure out, and this this is something that I've been thinking about like for a while. People say like, oh, people say incorrectly that we're the best country in the world. We're the most we're the we're the most best country in the world. If we're the best country in the world, then we can figure out how to feed our our citizens and take care of them and take care of them. It there are people that are, that that are very smart. And have been thinking about this uh, for a very long time. So, you know, there are people that can figure this out. It's just that the people in charge do not want that. Because it takes... Yeah, we have takes, to have the willpower. Well, it take, you need the political will, yeah. Because it takes resources away from the very wealthy and gives it, just gives it to the very poor. That's the problem. They, well, they, they kind of did that in World War II, right? Roosevelt did that. Mm-hmm. Great. And, uh, and then Johnson with the Great Society. I mean, those were very socialistic yeah. programs. They put artists to work with the WPA and sent them all over the country to, to, to put paintings together. And Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the New Deal, even before that. Right? Yeah. There, there, are, there are so many programs that the, the U.S. has had when uh when especially when people need to work or generate wealth and that if we are and i'm not saying we should be a socialist society because that is literally impossible with our with our economy we can't do that but we can in integrate some ideas like ubi like higher taxes for the wealthy things like that to at least get some resources to distribute to people that actually need it well there are i mean obviously there is the uh open question of whether or not the economic decline that we're hitting where people are losing their homes and people are losing their jobs uh uh and uh more and more of the uh the the younger more productive you know economically productive people are are getting sick from coronavirus uh there, there is the concern that at some point it will actually uh, hinder our ability to actually harvest the crops. Um, I mean, uh, one of the main vectors for infection in a number of states have been, uh, uh, you know, slaughterhouses and other meat processing plants because they haven't been uh, using good safety measures there. So, you know, if, if our food production and distribution network collapses, then that's going to be a real problem. Yes. You know, or even if it doesn't collapse, but just like starts to develop inefficiencies or whatever, uh, 
that that could wind up being a well if you've got money you can still make it worth people's while to bring you food but otherwise yeah dot 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 i mean the 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 system of food delivery that we have right now has evolved to a uh just in time uh i forget what the the actual uh word is but uh supermarkets get get fresh food every day or like regularly but they don't store anything yeah Uh, it has to they time it there is no more i'll check in the back right yeah and that is a huge problem because like especially like even if the the they're in cans or something the the like supermarkets don't a lot of them don't have like storage for a massive amount of food they just they get it every cheaper yeah it, yeah, it, right. yeah because it's cheaper Elsewhere. so if we, if that is disrupted then food for people is going to dwindle and then people are going to go hungry especially people yeah. that live in food deserts that don't have access to actual supermarkets right or people I who could live it. in food deserts if they hadn't been evicted so yeah, yeah. So, so I work in it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I work in an industry that went through this when the blizzard of '78, you know, was just the beginning of the just-in-time inventory, and you couldn't get a truck with supplies on it for healthcare. And the, we, you know, the phrase that people used was, "We went from just in time to not quite in time." Mm-hmm. And um, it, I, I know exactly what you're saying, John, and it's so true. You see it now. My uh, my cousin's looking for a refrigerator right now, and he ordered one at, I think it was Home Depot or somewhere, and it was supposed to be delivered this week, and Whirlpool called them directly, going right around Home Depot, and called them to say, by the way, we don't have any refrigerators like that right now. We think we'll have them by the end of August. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, Home Depot didn't, they knew they didn't have any refrigerators to sell, but they were still <laughs> selling them. But, you know, you can't get bicycle parts right now. It's really hard. I have friends that work in the bicycle industry. And, um, you know, we're having a little trouble with PPE at work. You know, not terrible trouble, but you can feel it. You know, it's fragile. It's really fragile. And you can't get a computer at Walmart or anywhere to save your life because the minute everybody went to working at home, they bought up the stock. And I don't know if it's the relationship with the Chinese or what, but... You know, you look at the shelves, what's really available. And, you know, we're actually having shortages right now. We just don't see them because you go, oh, well, do you have any other brand or is there another one or when are you going to get them in? And, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I was um, uh, some of the shortages. Perfect example of the issue. I was looking for a webcam. Um, oh, okay. And I was looking for a webcam, and I and I was doing some research, and some people on forums were like, "Get this one. It is about fifty dollars, and it's really great." So I look on Amazon. I look on other places. It is now one hundred twenty-five dollars to get the same model because <gasps> it's a shortage. Yep. Because people and want them. Because yep. people, and they're everybody, using the yeah. price to distribute it. They're yep. they're they're jacking up the price. Because they they're more valuable, capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you can't get them; they're a little scarce. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, like that—that's the thing. Like, there are webcams that everybody's using a webcam, and there are shortages of laptops because everybody needs to get a laptop. To like a third of the country 
has a job that they can do from home. So every, Ooh, all those people, number. yeah, all those people need to get like, st- and then there's the, uh, then there's students that need, that need that stuff. There's all oh, yeah. these people that need all this technology yeah. and they're jacking up the price just because they can. It's or it disgusting. might be supply and demand. Yeah, 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 it's supply and demand. It's horrible because they could just they could have just put it up like to sixty dollars or seven. No, a hundred twenty-five dollars. Right, and really, it's worth, it's worth noting like the the idea of supply and demand is to some extent is the is there's the reflecting that well the supply is tight so my costs have gone up to, to in order to get this for you so I'm charging you more because. I had to, you know, it, it, it was harder for me to get. But there's all three vendors and yeah, I got right. two from here and one from this place and yeah, you can't get them. Yeah. Right. But uh, uh, did costs go up two and a half times? Uh, if no. they, you know, well, if they did, then, then $125 for a $50 webcam is an accurate, uh, you know, an appropriate price inflation. If it didn't, but it, then it's... it's it's the other four ways supply and demand kicks in, which is like, well, we know you'll pay more. And yeah. Amazon, of course, has long, you know, has, has enormous amounts of data to try and track what people will pay. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a sense of uh, how much money they think they can squeeze out of you. So, yeah. you know. What the, what the market will bear? Well, well it's inelastic. What will bear. So that, yeah. that makes it even worse. Yeah. And the, and the products that are inelastic, like you cannot substitute something else and there just aren't enough of them. You know, this country is known for distributing by cost, you know, by price. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the capitalist way. (sighs) So that's an issue. And especially for (laughs) basic needs like food, shelter, uh, and you know, being free of disease like food shelter and health like those those basic things um we can figure out how to give those things to people to get those things to people like at least a little bit you know we can figure out how to do that but they nobody wants they just want to open up the economy again yeah you know that's not the that's not the way that we need to do i mean especially i mean and plus the the systems that are breaking down because there's so much infections, those could be solved by people actually wearing masks for love of God, (laughs) wearing masks and socially distancing. We have, we are what a third of the entire world's population of COVID cases. And that's where the, where the distributors (laughs) number one, (laughs) We are, I am so sick of winning. So <laughs> yeah, we could, well, we always we want could to be number ourselves. one. We well, could get our economy back on track if one, we gave resources to people to get their lives together uh, and prevented people from from losing more wealth because of rent and, and evictions. And if we have a national stay at home and mask like that. That's what we need to do. And we'll, and we'll make, make through, make it through this, but we ain't. Well, I don't know if Biden gets elected, if he's going to be able to 
get the right people in the jobs to try and straighten this out. I mean, do you guys remember during uh, Katrina, there was a couple of folks that handled sort of FEMA and it wasn't going well and it wasn't going well. And then towards the end, there was some, I think he yeah, was a Browning colonel or job, I remember. Hmm. Yeah. So, so about three people after Brownie or somebody they put on the ground there, some guy from the military might've been the army. And all of a sudden the story stopped, you know, the water started to get distributed and it happened in Puerto Rico too. That's like they, they scrounge, you know, they put the guy in charge that's had the nominal title and they don't do a good job because they're not used to it, but they, they scrounge around, they find some low level person that knows how to get it done. And all of a sudden it gets better. I just, I just can't imagine we have the time to find the people that know how to change, you know, how things are being flowed and how you, you know, if, if testing is the way we're going to get on top of this, you got to get them to produce the reagents for the tests because they're running out of them. You know, that it's real basic stuff, but it's, you know, it, it, the government doesn't seem to be able to pull it together like that very often. It could. It could. It could. But they have to identify the person that can actually do it. Well, they can. The Trump administration, uh, you know, Donald Trump has left many positions uh, unfilled, uh, despite being in office for almost four years. And also, uh, you know, he's picked a lot of, you know, uh, frankly, incompetent uh uh, fools to handle a lot of jobs. People who might be good at some things and aren't 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 really up to the the jobs they have, like Betsy DeVos or um, uh, uh, not Herman Cain, the um, HUD director, um, uh, Ben Foster. So no, I can't remember the fellow's name. Anyway, the the neurosurgeon. Anyway. Um, that, uh, that's a, well, that, it, that's ben not Carson. what's important. Ben Carson, thank you. Carson. So yeah. the uh, you know the the well, the, the uh, your son administration, and... whoever it is, is going to have to actually think about who how they're going to fill these positions, and uh, you know be ready to hire up during the the transition. And, you know, it's possible that very quickly they could get up, up to speed and running. But, uh, you know, it's nearly August 1st. Six months from now is February 1st. And, like, yeah. if, it, it wouldn't be crazy to say, well, we've, we're up and running by February 1st. Great. That's six months from now. And yeah. six yeah. more months of, of uh, malign neglect of uh, laissez-faire incompetence is just it's, well, it's, well, as, well, as you, you were saying, Sue, it's going to create the kind of long-term economic problems uh, that are going to make it hard to, to adapt. You know, that's one of the reasons why we want to make it so that people don't lose their jobs, because even if the company they work for is still around uh, when things get better, it's a, it's a process to hire people. Uh, it's much easier to just say, oh, well, you know, Steve's already on payroll. Steve, get back to it. So. Yeah. Well, I just, whenever they do a nationwide search and they end up with your, with your son-in-law, you know, it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good yeah. choice. So that's what Trump has done, you know, on, on many levels is just that always ends up being one of his kids or his, his in-laws or something. Yeah. Jared Kushner is no Bobby Kennedy. 
one thing that uh one one thing that i'm hoping that biden is doing because more and more he is he he has the uh the support to actually win which is surprising i still don't know if he's going to but uh if i i'm hoping that right now he is developing plans i hope he's going to people and actually penning penning laws that he can introduce or policies that he can introduce on January 21st. There are, there are so many things that you could, yeah, he, you can, you could, you could backlog a lot of stuff or um, you could, you could put a lot of stuff like into the works with people that, you know, and people that you can, that can write these laws and things. And when, and when he becomes president or if really, if he becomes president, then he can just put all that stuff out. Say you, you, and you. I've I've already selected and yeah. vetted you. I'm going to put you in front of the Senate immediately and put you into work. Like yeah. everything he could he well, could use these the like Senate few can months be approving, to. Yeah, if he gets elected in November, uh, the Senate can start confirming his nominees to take over when he assumes office you know, during the transition period. Yeah. Oh, I he could, know he that. could do that. Um, Why not? His, his transition team could be put together in a couple months. They start work and then they, then they have everything they need once he gets into office. Like they need to do that. And I actually, as of this recording, we're still in uh, July, but our next week we actually might know who the, uh, the vice president will be. Oh, right. Right. We haven't so even talked about that. So that is one thing. But during the campaign and everything, he could have a whole group of people like in the background just working like all, all these groups that, he, yep. that he's been setting well, up. Well, Roosevelt did that. Roosevelt came on with um, all sorts of plans and um, people he'd already identified that were going to do certain things. Yeah. And they handled the banks the first week, didn't they? I think, wasn't there a bank run the first week he was in office? I forget. Well, I don't know. But it was pretty, it was pretty, in, <laughs> it was pretty intense. It was, it was yeah. you know, and uh, that's when he gave the speech about, um, oh, I forget what it was, but, you know, sort of telling people that he wasn't going to let the country fail. Yeah, and they believed him. Obviously, people believed him enough to 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 uh, wait. A quick note before we go, because we're reaching the end of the show, we um, and we don't. This isn't really a discussion thing. I just want to let everybody listening know: Trump can't delay the election. It's okay. Oh, right. Just breathe. And <laughs> that there would be so many way like there would be so many roadblocks. For him, to, he just said, "Can we delay the? Don't worry about it. He's just laying groundwork for other things. But he can't. And the Republicans have said, nah, we're not going to delay anything. So don't yeah. worry about yeah. it.' Yeah, he he yeah. doesn't have the authority to make it happen on his own. And uh, and even if uh, as a nation we decided that we were going to hold up the elections a bit, uh, his term still expires noon on January twentieth next year. Exactly. Like that, Can you? That, that's can enshrined you say in the Constitution. Speak, so. Can you say Speaker of the House as president? <laughs> or at least that's what Bill Newman says. I, you know, who knows? Well, yeah, that, that, totally. If there's no president or vice president, that is what would happen. But it gets, yeah. it gets complicated because if we don't have an election, you know, there's a new House of Representatives as of January 3rd. So, like, who's the Speaker of the House when there's no House? 
So. Well, there's a uh, there's an explanation of why he can't delay the election in the show notes and on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that will be posted on uh, the on Monday early Monday morning, so uh, the third. So everybody can read about that um, or look up "No Trump Can't Delay the Election" on Fox. Uh, so you well, said Vox or Fox? Vox V V Vox. <laughs> Victor yep. Fox, yes. So, and we do have to wrap up here because we've, we've reached the end of our allotted time. Uh, wow, and I, I was going to talk about something uh, called uh, The Storm Before the Storm, about the collapse of the Roman Republic and some interesting parallels, but I guess I'll have to save that for next week, maybe. But Darn. Um, Yeah, well, it's a good book. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, that's going to do it for Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio for tonight. Uh, there's a great mix of music coming up uh, after this, including uh, Subculture, followed by Table of Contents and OK Asia. And I think we're still doing encore presentations of Drum and Bass with DJ Fife and Darkwave uh, into the wee hours. And uh, also podcasts of the show are going to be available on all the various uh, streaming services sometime in the next few days. So uh, listen to us there. And uh, you can listen to us all over again on Monday afternoon at 4. So that'll do it for now. Thanks for listening to Civil Politics tonight, everybody. We'll be back next week. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.